Agnes Mary Clerk by Margaret Lindsay Huggins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Agnes Mary Clerk was born on February 10th, 1842, at Skibbereen, a small country town in a remote part of the county Cork. Her father was John William Kirk, and her mother was the sister of the late Lord Justice Deasy. Constitutionally delicate, Agnes Clerk from her earliest years, as so often is to be noticed in cases of frail health, found her chief delight in literary study and in music. From quiet talks often enjoyed with her in her later life, it was clear that her thoughtfulness and her liking for probing difficult problems must have developed early. In 1861, the Clerk family moved to Dublin, and in 1863, to Queenstown. The winters of 1867 and of 1868 were spent at Rome, that of 1871 at Naples, and the next five winters at Florence, the summers of 1874 to 76, being passed at the Barnier de Luca. The sisters, Agnes and Ellen, both profited from this sojourn in Italy as their subsequent writings show. But Agnes at Florence worked specially hard, reading constantly in the public library there, and always, I believe, with one great object before her. It is a question of much interest to examine into the early leanings and aspirations of those who distinguished themselves later, and Agnes Clerk early determined her life work. Before leaving Skibbereen at about the age of 15, she had clearly before her the intention of writing a history of astronomy, and it is thought had actually written a few chapters. Her first article in the Edinburgh Review is in harmony with the above facts. Agnes Clarke's literary life may be said to have begun in 1877 with the acceptance of her article Copernicus in Italy by Henry Reeve, then editor of the Edinburgh Review, who recognised the value of his new contributor and kept her at work. The number of her contributions to the Edinburgh is 55, and they are all of the highest order. Agnes Clerk, with her family, returned to England in 1877 and settled in London. With the publication of the History of Astronomy in 1885, may be said to have begun her astronomical life. She read systematically and cultivated personal relations with a wide circle of astronomical workers, in person or by correspondence. I consider that these relations had much to do with the success of her work. Her sympathies were so keen, her interest so warm, her longing for further truth so intense that everyone liked to offer her all he could. In 1890 appeared her second book, The System of the Stars. The progress of science and the growth of its literature during the last quarter of a century have been so enormous that a new order of worker is imperatively called for and Agnes Clarke was an admirable example of such a worker, devoting her life to astronomy, which is at once the oldest and, in its new developments, the youngest of the sciences. 
the science which Poincaré has lately so eloquently declared to have given the conception of law to all others. The mission of these special workers is to collect, collate, correlate and digest the mass of observations and papers, to chronicle in short on one hand and on the other to discuss and suggest and to expound, that is, to prepare material for experts, to inform and interest the general public. There is an urgent need of a better educated public opinion in this country. That such a mission may be a splendid and fruitful one has been shown by Agnes Clerk. What careful preparation it requires, and how much it demands of those who would enter upon it, her career also shows. The immense increase in astronomical literature is hardly realised except by those engaged in dealing with it. To give but one instance, the annual index of astronomical literature for 1905, published under the auspices of the Astronomiegesellschaft, contains over 2,000 references collated from 300 separate publications. The strain of such work as I am indicating is great indeed, involving as it should the power of holding loose in the mind, so to speak, an immense mass of facts, and also a power of rapidly associating or dissociating them as work and discovery may suggest. In one of her latest works, Modern Cosmogonies, Agnes Clerk herself dwelt upon this strain. Year by year, she says, page 160, details accumulate and the strain of keeping them under mental command becomes heavier. Pathetic words, written almost in blood, for not long before had been published her last large work, Problems in Astrophysics, a work she feared she could not live to complete, a work which she was able to toil at for only half an hour at a time. All through her life, Agnes Clerk was a student. Lectures and Friday evening discourses at the Royal Institution, which bore upon her work, she was careful to attend. A free month's visit to Sir David and Lady Gill at the Cape in 1888 gave her some observatory opportunities which increased her power of clearly realising the records of observatory and laboratory work. She was awarded by the Royal Institution in 1892 the Actonian Prize of 100 guineas for her works on astronomy and in 1903 she received the distinction of being elected an honorary member of the Royal Astronomical Society an honour and title held previously only by Mrs. Somerville, Caroline Herschel and Anne Sheepshanks. A frequent attendant at the meetings of both the Royal Astronomical Society and the British Astronomical Association, she was always an interested one. Occasionally she spoke, but she had no liking for speaking in public, nor indeed was she well suited for it. A complete list of Agnes Clerk's papers it would be difficult to compile. They were in truth innumerable. Her articles on astronomers for the Dictionary of National Biography, articles for the Encyclopaedia Britannica and for other encyclopedias were many and all of them were models of painstaking inquiry and of clear, concise statement. The more important of these are of lasting interest and value. Her larger works are History of Astronomy in the 19th Century, four editions, 
The System of the Stars, two editions, Familiar Studies in Homer, The Herschels and Modern Astronomy, Concise History of Astronomy, Modern Cosmogonies, Problems in Astrophysics. I venture to think that the history of astronomy in the 19th century is the most important of her works. It is admirable in its completeness of references, its wide inclusiveness, and in its lucidity. It deserves to live, and assuredly will live, the invaluable continuation of Grant's fine work. The Systems of the Stars and The Problems in Astrophysics are works of a different order. Treasuries of knowledge and of suggestion they certainly are. The Homeric studies, except in one chapter, are not specially astronomical, but they are evidence of a breadth of culture and of wide intellectual interest, and are full of delightful touches of wit and of humour. It seems to me a mistake to regard Agnes Clerke's smaller works as of less importance than her larger ones. I have said that I consider the history her greatest work, but in some respects I venture to think that her greatest achievement is modern cosmogonies. I claim for this book that it is not only a history, but a work of philosophical thinking and of imaginative insight of a very high order. Its small size is an accident. It is a work essentially great. In these brilliant sketches, Agnes Clerke's style is at its best. But the writing in modern cosmogonies, good as it is, is a small matter compared with the masterly grasp of, I may say, all things and of their interrelations which the work reveals. And where else is shown, in recent philosophical writing, such vision and faculty divine for seizing and pointing out the reasonable spiritual clues set in what we call nature, clues helping us to sustainment of soul in the midst of the majestic mystery surrounding us. No sketch of Agnes Clerke would be complete without reference to her love of music. To her, music was in the highest sense of the term a recreation. She turned to it for very life. Her piano playing was truly musicianly and her repertory was large. Perhaps her playing was at its best in rendering Chopin. As an accompanist, she excelled. Her teachers were, in Dublin, Miss Flynn, in Florence, Buamici. Remarkable as were the intellectual powers of Agnes Clerke, her moral endowments were equally so. It was a question we frequently debated, the influence of character on work, and as I write, the memory of certain talks is hauntingly present. As is the heart, is the work. The best work is and must be associated with lofty character. It was so with Agnes Clerke. No purer, loftier, and yet more sweetly unselfish and human soul has lived. She was so incapable of meanness that she even incurred danger as a historian in crediting too readily all workers with her own high ideals. As a friend and companion, she was faithful and true, and full of charm, and without her the world to those who had her friendship seems darkened and empty. But her mission, I believe, has been fulfilled. 
For 20 years she has been to modern astronomy an admirable historian and has kept before working astronomers clear charts, so to speak, of what was being done and of what should and might be done. In so doing she rendered splendid service and inaugurated a kind of work which must be more and more needed a kind of work which not only advances astronomy but promotes a universal brotherhood and cooperation, golden indeed. Agnes Clerke's death comes as a shock to many. A cold, I fear not sufficiently nursed at first, led to pneumonia and complications and, in spite of all that devoted love and skill could do, she passed gently to the next life, peaceful and fully conscious almost to the last, on the morning of January 20th, 1907. End of Agnes Mary Clerk by Margaret Lindsay Huggins Read by Melanie T.